Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Learn to Love podcast, your guide to everything love, sex, intimacy, and relationships. Each week, your host, Zach Beach, interviews new experts on love, including couples therapists, relationship coaches, sex educators, and best-selling authors. Learn the best tips and cutting-edge wisdom to better love yourself, others, and the world. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope you enjoy the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Learn to Love podcast. I am your host, Zach Beach, and I'm here with the incredible Tobin Zavone. Hello, Tobin, and welcome to the show. Hey there, Zach. Really happy to be here, friend. This feels great. Our topic for today is optimized and awakened loving. But before we get into that, let's learn a little bit more about Tobin. For those that don't know, Tobin Zavone has been a love, intimacy, and sacred sexuality coach for over two and a half decades. The author of The Art of Mindful Living, Tobin helps groups, couples, and individuals blossom to their highest potential. His training includes six years in a Zen center, 12 years in the Ridwan School, a three-year apprenticeship with one of the most foremost transpersonal psychotherapists in America, five years with Adi Ashanti, and a teacher training program with the South African Tantra teacher Shakti Malan. So, Tobin, how are you today? I'm doing well, as well as can be in this weird world we're living in right now. <laughs> it's, it's, been, <laughs> it's been a lot. I um. So obviously I have my own responses and redirect. I think you and I were just talking and we had that, I like that phrase, like just powerful redirect. All of us are just kind of getting like shuffled in a different direction than we were, most of us anyway. And mine has been um, obviously to a lot simpler life, but I've been holding space for so many people around the planet. I've been like double time terms of being on the front lines with people around love and relationship and the life journey they're on and how to really, yeah, just respond to this big uh, recalibration we're all in. Yeah, tell me more about that. Um, As a love intimacy and sacred sexuality coach, you have a lot of clients. So first, what are the type of people that come to you? What are the type of people that you typically work with? Well, it's really, really full spectrum, honestly. It's like I have, a, you know, probably the youngest client I have is 20, and the oldest is probably in their late 60s or 70-ish, and men and women, and it's all at this point word of mouth. Like I don't, I'm not the best marketer or uh, brander or salesman. I'm more just like called to just be in this seat of... It's kind of like a fountain of teachings, and it's all in the direction of what you just said, optimizing and living in a truly awakened way, like a deeply, abidingly embodied, awakened existence, both just in ourselves Mm -hmm. and in our love and relationship lives. So more and more that does tend to be the... um harmonic of of the people who show up in front of me that is that they're on a path of true awakening they really want to live in a in a an awake uh fully conscious you know leave no rocks unturned kind of way 
they're kind of like i'm i'm willing to like do this spiritual stuff where the rubber hits the road most of them have had you know either some work with therapy with uh spiritual doing lots of meditation a lot of a lot of people nowadays have come to me after they've done a lot of medicine work and with you know mm -hmm whatever medicine of and they have these massive epiphanies massive awakenings and shifts and they feel at first like whoa got it you know but then they go to live it and they're like mm, this is a little easier said than done this is it this is getting tricky in our in my actual life and in my relationship i keep bumping into things that are really getting the better of me so how do i dissolve the power of that and live those awakened realities that i've tasted or know of or have read about and actually live that in the day-to-day -day of my existence and so that i think is the kind of like um thread that would probably go through all the people i work with is just that real sincere desire to live that awakening and relate from that relate from that awakened way of being and even my even my work with sacred sexuality and tantra is a different flavor than what most people would consider tantra or sacred sexuality focus it's really like sacred sexuality in the service of wholeness making like how um, are we gonna mm -hmm. how are we gonna use our it's like our entire existence so we're like a, to me tantra is not just in the bedroom it's like a way of living it's a way of being where you include 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 like everything is your is thrown on the fire of your spiritual evolution and alchemy process so you optimize something that couldn't otherwise come about if if you were just kind of putting yourself in a cave or only meditating and focusing on your spirituality over there this is like all-inclusive spirituality where when you bring your entire existence your being so let's say to your relationship or your sexual uh journey it what it does is it creates this amazing cauldron where anything in you that needs to be looked at focused on um dissolved in the power and the light of your your spiritual um work like anything in you that's more based in attachments or fears or shadows or imprints or all of the whatever we want to call it like the karmic stuff that we're carrying mm -hmm. around will come up for illumination for alchemy for refinement and then when you know how to meet this stuff well it becomes integrated such that it allows you to become more of who and what you're really born to be and then you start to live that feel that and then bring that into your life and your life in general and into your relationships and your sexuality and then whoa there's a whole new potential coming out wow that feels amazing that feels alive that feels like what i'm born to do and exist as and feel and share through my being like you actually become a conduit of parts of you like love and generosity that were just kind of hidden under the other stuff and it can just kind of go round and round like that as a journey of wholeness making that's so beautiful and i really want to just dive right into what it means to sort of be awakened and what awakened loving really means because it can be easy yeah. to get caught up in the metaphors right uh -huh. now i like that let's back up a little bit and we think about walking in the path towards awakening 
mm-hmm. or awakened loving, it implies that a lot of people are sort of operating in their relationships or operating in their life in what we might call an unconscious or an unawakened sort of way. Mm-hmm. And what would you say is that sort of way? What would you describe as sort of unawakened or unconscious loving? Anything that is based in a certain kind of perpetuated, already imprinted momentum based on what you kind of were born into. It's an unchosen momentum script (laughs) that your childhood, your life, up until the point where you become more conscious or more awake, has perpetuated in you and through you. Now, somebody who's just completely unconscious, completely unawake, could be a relatively great person and pretty good at relationships. So that's not necessarily a bad thing. Uh But most people who are unconscious or unawake are perpetuated by these unconscious forces that have a power to them. They actually have an emotionally uh, heat, like an emotionally charged, repetitive, almost like hot, energetic to them that when it gets in the driver's seat of their existence, they become, Mm, mm -hmm. mm, let's call it not so skillful. (laughs) On the spectrum, it can become downright unskillful, downright uh perpetuating of pain and dynamics and patterns in their in their own lives and in their relationship lives that are somehow going round and round and round and round and round mm-hmm. and um, usurping that person's existence in a way that is beyond their conscious control right so that to me is unconscious or unawake. It's just kind of like the normal state we're born into and in our imprinting and our conditioning and our our kind of our mentalities and our thought forms and everything that we think is us for a long time for most people is somehow relatively kind of like unawake or unconscious. It's the normal state of humanity, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I'm thinking about all the conditioning that we sort of come into this life with and also develop in this life. You know, in our current life, we have the conditioning from our culture, from our society, from our parents, from other people who may have raised us. If you believe in past lives, we have past lives and karmic conditioning. Or if you're more sort of scientifically oriented, you might think of our evolutionary conditioning, that sort of flight, fright, freeze response that can so easily and so commonly come up in relationship. And we want to live, or we want to break free of that conditioning. So when we talk about awakened loving, I'm wondering if you are sort of describing the individual spiritual path that we take towards awakening, or how we might be able to use our intimate relationship also as a tool for our spiritual awakening. So again, the answer and my view of it and way of holding it is paradoxically both. It's this mysterious way that both are true at the same time. And if I had to If I had to kind of base it more in one or the other, I would say it's kind of the individual. It's always on us as an individual to be really devoted to the truth of that sincere, 
aspiration to be more living in and from and as uh, our essence self, what I consider our kind of our true nature, our awakened mm-hmm. beingness that is we kind of all of us again this is on a spectrum too we but we all have some feel for that some taste of it at the very least we have an entry point into that awakened being that we are which is a sense of like oh that's the me i like to be the one i feel when i'm really grounded and clear and in my heart and ah i'm not charged and i feel yeah that that me that regal a little bit more timeless grounded part of myself that's an Mm -hmm. entry point into our awakened self or awakened channel of being that i call it now so always i think it's an individual spiritual path that we're on we kind of have to be really really grounded in that no matter how deep we are into a partnership until or unless we're just like (laughs) like i've heard of beings where it just becomes so based in union with another human being Mm -hmm. but until or unless that our relationship is is the path of our awakening and doing it as a team i call it being allies in awakening that's a beautiful path too you know at the same time Mm -hmm. you with any person you're relating to especially in a deeper more intimate bonded partnership by all means let's have both people have that deep clear intentionality in you know as the main driving force of that relationship let's be allies in awakening can we do this together as a team mm-hmm. it's beautiful that's where this stuff does get optimized in a really powerful powerful beautiful way it does sound really powerful and really beautiful to live with an open heart to live in wholeness in our relationships and i'm wondering how that works a little bit in practice Mm -hmm. in terms of when clients do come to you and you do work with people and you help guide people along this path towards awakening through loving what are the issues that people present to you what are some of the most common issues that you encounter and how do you move beyond them Mm -hmm. So when it comes to relationship, the most common issues that present are these very, I mean, there's nuances on it, it gets very personal, it gets very unique, but there are patterns, there are kind of commonalities, but they all boil down to these certain, what I call hot spots inside, They're, they're imprinted patterns of projection frustration trigger that come up in relationship to the person we've manifested in front of us in our relationship and often if not always like 99.9 percent of the time i'll just leave an opening but i've never not seen it actually it's a perfect lock and key something in us manifests a person to relate with that will be almost perfectly designed to trigger us in just the right ways that are most challenging and hot and painful for us <laughs> and and vice versa we're doing that for them just wonderfully and elegantly designed you know it's i call it the divine design and the wow. divine design on from if you look at it from one angle it's very frustrating and very challenging and it will get us to this point where we're like ah it happened again i did that three times with these other partners and i made sure i wasn't going to do it with the next partner and then a year into it or two years into it 
damn, there we are doing a very similar thing, you know, maybe a more nuanced version of what we've always done. Mm -hmm. And so from one angle, the, the divine design is very frustrating. But once you learn to see the, the invitation in it, the gift in it, it becomes a, a pathway to working with your most deep, most um, sticky uh, conditioning, your most shadowy material in a way that will deliver you more fully to your uh, really authentically, abidingly, through and through conscious version of yourself, healthy version of yourself. So it delivers you to the stuff that you would avoid like the plague if you didn't find somebody you love so much bonded with and then dove into this this cauldron <laughs> where you almost can't avoid it now you know so that's the mm -hmm. good part of the divine design is it delivers us to our deepest work really well yeah that's so fascinating because part of the impetus behind the learn to love podcast and the sort of programming that we do at the heart center love school is based on this idea that relationships are really hard and what I'm hearing from you is that one of the reasons relationships are hard is because they are supposed to be very hard, because a relationship is going to bring up your hot spots, your triggers, your unconscious conditioning in order for you to move beyond them and as an opportunity for growth and healing towards wholeness. Exactly. Yeah. God, we should write down your words. You, you could, this is elegantly spoken. I love how you're, how you're encapsulating it. Exactly. Now, a little bit of nuance, a little bit of like fine print asterisk after what you said is I'd be careful with this statement. They're supposed to be hard. Like some people I've seen will grasp onto a statement like that and they'll just like, they'll just work it and work it and work it and work it. And it can be a mantra of one or the other of the partners. Like it's supposed to be hard. Why, why do you expect it to be any better than this? And, and it can actually fuel some of the, the grind that I don't think relationships are supposed to be a grind. I right. honestly don't. To me, they're supposed to be elegant and beautiful and ultimately deliver us to love and potentials that we can't experience any other way on planet earth i mean it is the 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 field of beauty and goodness and flavors of our existence that you truly cannot experience any other way so that's good the good is <laughs> supremely good and yet in order to actually uh live into those potentials we have to factor in the challenging side that you're describing that is like okay we are we're going to be meeting the shadow we're going to be um as rumi says we're going to be digging in the dirt to expose the gold more and more and mm -hmm. so we factor in the reality that it is going to be tricky and challenging and we're going to meet our deepest stuff and then right next to that of course we want some discernment we want some balance. We want to make sure the good is there and we're not just grinding with a, with a kind of um, conceptual ethos that it's supposed to be hard. Just a little warning label on what we're talking about. Yes, I very much appreciate that. And maybe we could talk more about how we know when we're on the right path towards that awakening. 
We talked a bit about what unconscious relationships might look like. So what are some positive qualities that will start to bloom, start to flower in our relationships so that we know that we're on the right path? Mm, I love it. So within your own being, you, you'll feel certain qualities and experiences and in the connection between the two people, you'll feel certain things. And I, yeah, I love your question. I, to me, the, the one that jumps off the page first is a sense of, it's like a grounded flavor of fulfillment in the fact that we're being open and honest and transparent in the face of whatever's coming. So in the honeymoon stages, this is happening quite naturally. That's why we feel so euphoric and good is because we're being transparent. We're taking little risks and opening ourselves and feeling met and responded to in a way that's uh, based in a kind of mutuality and um it's like a loop of being vulnerable, open, exposing, new, and then the other person receives that in a certain way and meets it back with their own version of vulnerability and openness and transparency. And when that harmonic is happening, we start to feel a certain flavor of yum and good. And now beyond the honeymoon flavor, we want, and even in it, we want to be looking for uh, a counterbalancingly, but ultimately just as important um, sense of, I feel a kind of trustworthiness beyond just the good moments. Like mm -hmm. I'm taking risks and I'm sharing and I'm being met in the more challenging, you know, digging in the dirt moments. And what, that feel what that feels like is hard to put into words but it's a kind of inherent sense of feeling met feeling trust it has an um an atmosphere of the sacred if you really really tune into it so to me that's one of the flavors that you start to feel is like the it's like we have the capacity to speak truth, to share truth, to be honest, to be transparent, and to be vulnerable. And when we do, and it's met well, it does have this certain flavor that we could call sacred. It does, it, it, it has a taste of intimacy. It's what actually builds intimacy, and it's what actually will deepen our feel of love over time. So the honeymoon doesn't actually ever end if you know how to get on this awakened kind of love path of showing up in these certain ways mm -hmm. it will deepen these flavors of intimacy and care and love over time yeah i absolutely love all of those qualities that you are describing intimacy love vulnerability openness transparency truth you know, just talking about it makes you feel even lighter. Mm -hmm. You can feel it in the atmosphere. I'm feeling it like we're bathing in it a little bit now. Yeah. Um, but what comes to mind is people who have been hurt in relationships. Yeah. Yes. You know, which is probably all of us to some degree. <laughs> but then so, again, there's a spectrum. But yes, let's go there because that's where the rubber hits the road. Yeah. Because you mentioned that these qualities are nice and 
how it can be really important when they're sort of met or received also in a positive way. But some people, you know, express a certain level of openness or vulnerability and experience judgment or shame from another party, which could be their partner or just could be, you know, society at large. Mm -hmm. And there's that temptation to close down. And I'm wondering, yeah, what your advice is for somebody who maybe feels like they've been hurt before in relationships and they're afraid to open up again. Yeah, I mean, in some ways, that's the million-dollar question. In some ways, that is the entry point into a massive percentage of all of what it takes to start moving in the direction of healing and wholeness-making and all the stuff we've been talking about is to find that healthy edge where the fear comes up, where the old imprints reveal themselves, which always kind of boils down to, ah, if I go and be fully true and honest and in my heart and in my transparency and in my vulnerable real self, I'll be hurt again. And I'll be hurt in these certain ways. Therefore, I'm going to do something inside myself that is the opposite of that. I'm going to contract. I'm going to shut it down. I'm going to push it away. Or I'm going to get extra intense and push it into the space in kind of aggressive ways or charged ways which seem like I'm going to protect myself but somehow mysteriously are just drawing out of the universe or the person in front of me the same old weird stuff that the last person did. So we're really being invited to that exquisitely challenging edge where we start to learn to both be present and loving within ourselves and show up in more courageous and healthy and vulnerable ways. And then we're doing our absolute best to do that with people who could meet us there. And if people that are in front of us aren't meeting us well or are repeating the old patterns, then to trust ourselves to release from that relationship. That's part of it. We do need to have discernment and capacity to not enter into things with people who are just downrightly repeating old hurt wound patterns, you know? Mm -hmm. And so what we can learn to do now, this is a broad prescription. I'll get into some of the specifics of it for different people at different stages, different histories, different Mm -hmm. everything. But the broad stroke prescription is Get sourced within yourself really well. Start to create a, uh, a pathway of self-love, of self-presencing, of connection to source within your own beingness. Then with certain people, or let's say you're already in a relationship, take kind of like, you know, calculated risks, so to speak, like find your edge and start leaning into it in courageous and vulnerable and healthy ways and see what occurs. Just do the dance to the best of your ability with the people who show up in front of you and watch what starts to occur there. It's like an art. We learn these dance steps of communication, of transparency, of courage, of presence. Those are some of the main ingredients and we just start to do our best and watch what occurs. And it can start to create, instead of the old kind of weird, vicious circles of shutdown that we've been in, it can start to invite um, 
a loop of opening, a loop of healing, a loop of even if you're met with something challenging or frustrating, you showing up in new and healthier ways can be something that then changes your own fundamental kind of like you where you're based will shift from you showing up in more healthy ways even if the other person doesn't which then mm -hmm. miraculously be, it becomes a magnet for something healthier to show up in front of you so it becomes a path that's why i call it a path and our job is just to do our absolute best at those edges to get more healthy more creative more skillful. That's why I use this word masterful, not like we become masters ever, but we become, we're on a path of, of mastering the art of being and loving and relating and communicating, which creates these loops, these harmonics of evolution in us and in the, and in the relationships we're in. So that's kind of the general prescription. Now that's going to look very, very different depending on where a person's at and how how much pain they have had from their past if there's trauma we really want to then employ like that's kind of one of the things i do with people it's it's like a you know therapy for lack of a better word we're doing healthy good therapy we're actually you're engaging with a a person who is meeting you at those vulnerable edges in a really healing way maybe in a compartmentalized way, but that starts this loop of healing to occur inside, which then beautifully enough, luckily, thank goodness the universe is designed this way. If we mm -hmm. do that well enough, we actually shift our magnets inside. And then we magnetize out of the universe or the world people who do meet us in more and more healthy ways. And then once that happens, there's a tipping point, and then we can start to do this in our actual relationships. And it's not perfect. It's not like we just are there and the people meet us perfectly, but we we start to yeah, just um just meet those edges as well and as skillfully as we possibly can. And there does it it does create a a, a loop of, of evolution, of transformation, of like we were talking about, that's where we become more and more whole and more and more awake. As the human, we're here to be, and that's what draws out more and more of that dance from the people around us, the world around us. Now, that's a life path, so it's not just necessarily like a flip of a switch, but if you learn to meet your own edge well, lovingly, skillfully, make this a priority in your life and devote yourself to this as one of the most important parts of your life journey, I'm here to say, thank God, I can actually say this, not in theory, but in reality, it works. It does work. There's something inherently and elegantly designed in you, in the soul that you are, that if you apply yourself to the best of your ability, the world will meet you in a way that creates this, this transformation inwardly and this very, very you know, like different uh, experiences externally. You'll have very different relationships going forward than you did, you know, a year ago or five years ago or whatever. Goosebumps. Just listening to you, this alight these alights these goosebumps uh, on mm. my skin because it mm. opens up such a beautiful realm of possibility. 
And I feel like you're almost describing this really wonderful feedback loop where our focus is on being the most loving, present, kind, and caring person that we can be. And the more we do that, the more we meet the same vibe from other people, the more the world uh, meets us in kind. And that encourages us to bloom, almost like we're a flower just ready to bloom. And the more light we receive, the more we bloom. And the more we bloom, the more light we can receive. Exactly, exactly. It's this positive feedback loop. It really, really is. It's a loop of evolution, of love, of enhancement. It's I, I talk about it as a love loop. But it is, it is a path. It is, it is a journey. And yet, thank God, thank, thank the universe. It actually does work. It's not just these repetitive, frustrating things. There is, um, a design to it that once we learn to align with it and show up in it and aspire and, you know, cultivate those qualities that you just said like it's like i often tell people be the change you want to see in the world but we got to get down to the real roots of that because it's not just like oh i want people to be you know nice and loving so i'll be nice and loving for certain people to really be the change they want to see in the world they have to be willing to withstand the pain of an old emotion and stay loving even when something in them would come up and take over their vocal cords and take over their eye, you know, movements and take over their being and, and they become even a little bit passive aggressive. So I'm going to be courageous, almost like heroically courageous to work on parts of myself that take me off that capacity to be both healthy and loving. It's not always just sweet. Sometimes I, to hit that note, to really become the way you'd want another person to be. You have to be a little bit like grounded in something. Yes, ultimately loving, but also courageous and self, um, self-sourced, you know, so there's all that in addition to what you're describing. It's, it's a deep thing, but it, it's exactly what you said. Like be that, harmonic, which to me boils down to I'm willing to really work on this as well as I can and show up as well as I can. All the the really important moments in my life, you know, mm -hmm. is relationally, I'm really going to go for it. I'm really going to work on this. And then it does start that loop. It starts that evolution loop, which takes our entire life in the direction of experiencing these potentials that we otherwise are just kind of like derailed from because of the power of those old forces that keep us in repetitive ways of being. That's our conditioning. That's the unawake stuff. It just basically perpetuates. It just feels like me, you know, for most people, I'm not, a, I'm not unconscious. I'm just me, you know, but if you look at their patterns long enough, it goes doot, 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 and they keep doing similar stuff that keeps getting similar results. <laughs> and there's these very hidden things that they're not quite aware that they've been doing to participate in those loops. And then you get committed to work on that and work on that well and, and work on that with devotion and love and sincerity. Then you draw out of the universe 
people and situations who meet you in that and support you in that. And it's, that's one of the miracle turnovers that I've seen in my own life and for so many of the people that I'm on the front lines with. Yeah, it just reminds me about all the qualities that we associate with the heart. Presence, that openness, that receptivity. And I feel like that ties perfectly into the awakened loving in the heart. And I feel like the optimizing our love almost comes from a place of the mind a little bit. It wants like things to be better and more efficient. Mm-hmm. So t- <laughs> tell me, um, what does optimizing one's love look like? And I know that you have uh, a program online with eight tools to optimize your love. So tell us about maybe one or two or your favorite tool uh, that, mm-hmm. what, that a listener could use to optimize their love. Okay. Well, let me just put a little fine print around the word optimize because it's true. It, it can definitely, it can evoke the mind and the word optimize is like, yeah, let's get the good stuff. Let's get there. And what it can often bring very quickly online in somebody is the word perfect. And I don't mean perfect. I mean, what is optimal, which is like maybe less than perfect, but it's optimal given our life or that relationship what's the optimal you know it's different than perfect so we got to watch out for that trap of like oh we're gonna just get it to the all the good stuff all the time so this is again that balance we were talking about before of like yeah we're digging in the dirt but we're optimizing the potentials that are here because there are awesome potentials it's kind of like tango dancing if you if you had all the the right teachers and trainings and gave yourself to the art of tango dancing what it feels like when you have a good tango dance is like a miracle you just are in the zone it's so beautiful to me that's what we can learn to live in more and more of the time in relationships so that to me is what optimal is and so yeah i made this course with eight of my favorite most powerful tools and some other teachings and trainings to just draw out what we would consider is just like, oh, we're humming in that relationship. The good, those possibilities are just being lived and felt more and more. So like a simple one, I'll just bring out one of the most simple ones, which is it's similar to the book, The Five Love Languages. You know that book, Zach? Yeah, it's a good one. It's great. Yeah, it's brilliant. And um, so before I even read that book, I had come up with this thing that I called the yum buttons. <laughs> and yum I didn't buttons, say this. Like buttons yum you button. press. Yeah, like the pre- the instead of like pushing each other's buttons in that way, that's the you know a very common phrase. Oh, we push each other's buttons. Ah, frustration. Rah. You know, this is like, hey, let's let's use that same theory of pushing each other's buttons, but in a yummy way, in a really really mm. good way. So. In a, in a similar way to learning somebody's love language, learning your own love language, I mean, we can just start with your love languages. Those are five really, really good ones. But I've kind of like, before again, I had this going before I even read that book. So it was like, maybe there's a hundred different buttons or whatever your unique buttons are. What's the thing in you that when it gets touched, you just feel so much love. You feel loved, you feel lit up just it's good you know and so we learn that about each other and i had um a colleague actually whose relationship was going to crap it was really really bad they were on the verge of breaking up but the 
his partner was pregnant and he's like, I want to make this thing work. And so we kind of like brainstormed and came up with like, what's, what's her yum button? What's the one thing that you knew if you did this a lot, she would just be so stoked, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, and we were, it was just like, what if you just did that? Let's, let's, let's just for one month, just find out what she wants more than anything and give it like your life depends on it. Just put your frustrations and all this fears aside and try this experiment. And he did this one thing, which I think for her was like written, written words of affirmation was like one of her just Mm -hmm. total love language button, yum button thing. So Mm -hmm. every day he just wrote her a note of love, like an appreciation and just like gratitude. And the whole thing turned around and now they have, I think they have two kids and just one of the best relationships I've ever seen. So anyway, we can just ask each other, what would light you up if I did this more? And then you come up right. with one or two or three and you just start doing that for a certain amount of time. You you think of it like a two week experiment where you just throw in the generosity. I call it energetic generosity which is often different than we think because most people are wired up to give what they would most want, which is the golden rule, right? right? Like, and, but we're going, we're going higher than the golden rule. We're going to the platinum rule where we give what the other person would most want (laughs) instead of what we would most want. And then you start to feel this enhancement loop. We start to feel an optimization. Now that's just one of a, of a number of, of, uh, dance steps that we can learn, but it's a sweet one, easy one. We can start applying. Anyone can just, boom, let's try that for the next week or two. Yeah, I absolutely love that concept of yum buttons. I hope every listener <laughs> listening to this podcast who is in a relationship turns to their partner and says, honey, what are your yum buttons? And how can <laughs> yeah. I test them more often exactly. and in a better way? Exactly, Zach. You got it. And it's just the sweetest, easiest thing. Like, and you'll you'll see like if you really apply this it just somehow takes the edge off the frustration it's like if you've been in a you know chinese finger handcuffs where your fingers are in there and you're just pulling and it's just yeah. like stuck and you just can't get out you know yeah. a lot of relationships after the honeymoon become more and more like that it's just like <laughs> and the yum button thing it's like the twist it's like the ah oh, wait a minute there's air in here and it starts to feel good. And then all of a sudden your fingers are out and we're just like doing all that yummy stuff we were doing in the beginning. It can be one of the just quick shifters of even taking the edge off whatever frustration or challenges are in the system. Now, depending on the relationship, depending on what's going on, we might need to get to tool two and tool three and tool four and all that stuff just to like really get this thing humming, you know? Well, I absolutely, I want to know all the tools, Tobin. <laughs> well, I, I am giving this secrets. thing out right now. <laughs> yeah, they're um, good. But unfortunately, <laughs> you know, we only have so much time in the, in the day <laughs> exactly. in, in this podcast, and we are running <laughs> running a bit low on time exactly. right now. So how about just one more? What's number two okay. after the yum buttons? All right. So I'll give one of the ones to address the tricky stuff. So... This whole eight tools, optimizing love, let's just call it, you know, ultimately there might be a thousand tools or however many tools we can get our hands on, let's put them in the tool chest, right? But they're all in the spirit of optimizing love. Mm 
and getting on these love loops and living into our awakened wholeness as humans and all that good stuff. Now, all of that will boil down to two categories of tools. The first category is what we just talked about. It's like, it's like, um, infusing the good stuff. Like it's putting ourselves on the vibration and on the track of the loving, good flavors. Now, the other category of tools is how to dissolve the power of the challenging stuff. To work with the hot parts and the frustrated parts and the triggery, vicious circle stuff that we can get caught in in relationships. And ultimately, every tool you're ever going to find for a relationship enhancement is going to be one or the other of those. Mm -hmm. And I feel like if we put both categories into play over time that's what gets us on that optimizing loop okay so i'll give one on the other side which is something i call argument aikido and what argument aikido tool boils down to and this takes a little bit of you know a little wherewithal and um Again, in the tools, we'll get into even the nuances of how to work with what would make it hard to do this. And that's called eating our red hot coals or working with our hot spots. And that's one of the most important things. But so let's say you just have some capacity to be like, oh, we're in an argument. Let's try that argument Aikido thing that Tobin talked about. <laughs> okay, so what you would do is you each you just pause we're in an argument do our best to pause take some deep breaths go to our corners like boxing like ding ding you over there you over there now right <laughs> in every argument i've ever found ever saw anyone in or ever been in in my own you once you get down below the bombs that are going off me trying to get my point across the other person trying to get their point across and just just slamming into each other and then it just kind of escalates and feels more and more painful so if we can pause it and we can extract out of each person's point each person has something they're trying to get the other person to hear and lovingly respond to that's what every argument boils down to is i have something i have something the other person has something that if you could just get right down below the argument all they want is their point to be heard and lovingly responded to okay mm -hmm. and so if you can pause it and each take a little moment you can do this on with pencil and paper and just get below the charge, get below the argument, and just try to go right down to the what I call the kernel of truth or the diamond that's hidden in the bomb that you've been exploding. And just put it into a, a simple statement that has, the way I like to look at it is, my tender underbelly, the my heart wants to say to your heart, fill in the blank mm. my heart wants to say to your heart yeah fill in the blank and that will usually help a person just quickly access their diamond or their kernel of truth and if you can 
separate out the two conversations. So this is why I call it Aikido, because you want to separate out these two conversations as if they are like, you could imagine there's days in between and they have nothing to do with one another. That's the trick of argument Aikido is to separate out these two conversations as if they're very, very, very distinct conversations. Now, when it's really heated, one person will have to be the bigger person and say, okay, I'm willing to hear yours first. Mine's over here on the shelf. My little diamond is in its in its little, you know, sacred uh, chalice. And we're going to get to that in a minute. Uh, but right now it's your turn and you have a diamond and a chalice and it's very important. And I want to just at the very least do my best to hear of it, hear it. Now, if the person does this exercise and they breathe and they try to get the charge out of their voice and out of their system enough that they feel like what they're going to say. One thing I often also suggest is you imagine you're speaking to like a tribe of really healthy beings. For women, I often have them visualize a tribe of like elder, healthy, awesome women who just want to hear their truth. There's no no argument needed. There, you don't have to force it into the space. They just really want to hear you. So you imagine your partner as that tribe, <laughs> which can be a stretch. So it does take this mm -hmm. little bit of breathing, feeling, and then you say, what my heart wants to say to your heart is fill in the blank. Boom. And that person receiving does their best to listen with their diamond over there, knowing they're going to have their turn to get to that really important thing, but they see it as very distinct from what this person is saying. And mm -hmm. boom, you have a conversation and you just do a couple rounds of what my heart wants to say to your heart. And so the person can say, oh, I hear you. Thank you. What my heart now wants to say to your heart is fill in the blank. Again, you got to do your best to keep your diamond off and just have a conversation about what that one person wants to talk about. As much as it seems like an argument is about the same thing, it's inevitably about two slightly different things. That because of the charge mm -hmm. in the system and because how important each person's diamond is, as soon as one person says what's important to them in that way, it triggers off the this really intense uh attachment to having what i think is most important override yours so we got to tease them apart and have that conversation in that way it can be very miraculous when it's done i love that i i first of all i want to point out i love your use of language oh. we want to infuse our relationship with the good stuff and dissolve the challenging bad stuff you know we don't say throw out the challenging bad stuff with the rest of the garbage we want to yeah. dissolve the challenging bad stuff and we do that with one tool argument aikido which just brings to mind like we are throwing your argument at somebody and they just dodge a little bit and they say well what is your heart trying to say and then exactly. immediately the conversation shifts we become more vulnerable we become more real with each other yeah it's it's really amazing i just again if if the argument is long seated and really 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 charged you might need some support and that's kind of what i'm here for to really get to the roots of the deep deep stuff but i i'm telling you like a couple who just like got in a little argument that day they play this game and like whoa and like even 
feeling heard and responded to by somebody who usually meets you with that defensiveness can feel it is one of our yum buttons. It's one of our everyone has that yum button. All it I all goes back be, to the yum buttons. <laughs> yeah, it all goes back to the yum button. Let's keep pushing our yum buttons. <laughs> so everyone just wants to be heard and lovingly responded to. When you feel that from somebody around something that's important to you, you just go, ah, I feel so good. And then you're going to feel closer. It draws out intimacy. It draws out healing. And that's how we get on a loop of healing together. Absolutely. We all need to be seen. We all need to be heard. Yeah. And that's the essence of love. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I don't know how the time flew by, but but Here it's already are. been an hour, my friend. Wow. I so, know we could do this forever, Zach. I you could I could hear you. T- <laughs> we could talk all night. Oh, I know. We both are just like in this. You know, we've made this our our path. We've made we're devoted to this, and we love this, and we love love, and we love um, living love and serving love. And I just feel so met by you and all that, Zach. It's so beautiful, man. Thank you again, Tobin, for being on the show. I'll put the show links down in the show notes. What's the best way for people to get a hold of you, contact you, learn from you? Um, I would say the best way is actually on Facebook right now. I have a nice, beautiful community of people around the planet who are really living this way and aspiring to live this way. And we do a lot of things on there. I do free um, awakened relationship classes and answer people's questions and do all that so definitely facebook you can reach out to me directly on my website which is um, tobinzivin.com and then the other thing i want to offer is that during this whole quarantine world weirdness time i'm also offering that course um the Relationship Mastery Secrets course for free or donation. So anyone listening who wants the other tools, please just uh, contact me by direct message or email or whatever and ask for that course and I'll send you the links and you can have access to all those videos. That's so kind of you, Tobin. Thank you for offering your work to the world, your presence to the world, your teachings to the world. Mm. Thanks again for joining us in this conversation. And thank you, listeners, for listening to this show. We hope you enjoyed this talk about optimized and awakened loving. You can learn more about the podcast at theheartcenter.com and more about me at zachbeach.com. Thank you, Zach. Keep your heart open and find your partner's uh, yum buttons. (laughs) Yeah, let's all, let's just have fun pushing each other's yum buttons for a while and see how that goes. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much, Zach. Thanks again for listening to the Learn to Love podcast. To learn more about the show and your host, head over to ZachBeach.com or TheHeartCenter.com. You can also follow Zach on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. 